Hello, and welcome to Digital Marketing Musings, hosted by Merkel. Each episode, we choose a different expert to discuss the latest and greatest in digital marketing. Today, Island Wheeldryer is back with us again to give us an update on where we stand on changes to digital privacy heading into the end of the year. This is a follow-up to several episodes that we have published earlier this year, so if you hadn't had a chance to listen, go back to episodes six and eight to catch up on the conversation. I'm Gaia Reed, And I'm Andrew McCartney. And this is Digital Marketing Musings. Thanks for tuning into Digital Marketing Musings. Today, we're joined by our cookie expert, Island Wildryer, who's going to give us an update on where we stand with the changes to digital privacy heading into 2022 and what considerations there are for advertisers. Island has been with Merkel since 2015 and is an associate director of performance media. He's worked with clients in B2B, entertainment, retail, financial services, and nonprofit. Welcome to the show, Island. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. So last we spoke in, in March and April of this year, Chrome had announced that in early 2022, they were deprecating the use of the third-party cookie. And advertisers at that point were still grappling with uh, necessary actions following the passing of several significant pieces of legislation around digital privacy, um, including GDPR and CCPA. So what has changed in terms of cookie deprecation, um, Apple iOS updates, and general privacy policy more, more broadly in digital marketing since earlier this year? When we had last spoke, we, I think, introed those sessions with a lot of caveats that there was going to be a lot that was going to happen and a lot that was going to change um, so that what we said that day might be wrong the very next day. Um, and a lot of those caveats still hold true. Uh, we do know more now than we did back then. Um, but there is one thing that remains true, which is a lot is changing and a lot has yet to be settled. Um, so we'll give those same caveats. Um, who knows what the landscape is going to look like in six months. Um, we do know some um, updates that we can share, so we'll, we'll be happy to share those today. Um, but just try to keep that in mind as we talk through things. Um, so what we've learned is that everyone is still figuring this out. Um, it's a very large global group project. Even though Google was the um, instigator um, of the most uh, industry disruption with saying that the Chrome uh, third-party cookie was going to go away, they weren't the only player. Um, Apple came out with their ATT um, early in the year, and um, the solutions for the Chrome uh, cookie deprecation being the privacy sandbox, that has a lot of global players. So it's not just Google, it's not just Apple. Um, this is a very large project where digital advertisers are trying to address this desired balance between user privacy and um, productive advertising. So that is something that's become very apparent because a lot of the timelines that were stated at the top of the year have been pushed out uh, quite a bit. Um, a lot of the solutions that were being talked about early in the year uh, 
aren't much further along um, as far as being in final state. They have had some origin trials and such, um, but where we thought we might be optimistically when we talked about this six months ago, we are not very far along. So um, a few specific things. Uh, the Privacy Sandbox, which is this series of API solutions that um, a lot of uh, parties are working on with Google, um, that timeline has been pushed back um, a few times. They updated each month. And right now, the actual deprecation of the third-party cookie is looking to be in the back half of 2023. So that timeline got pushed back a lot. And if we were to think about how much that's changed just here in the first six months since the last time we spoke, we can probably expect that to be pushed back even even more if we were to think about it, just because of all the things that are going to happen. These solutions are going to get rolled out. They're going to get tested widely. Um, and then there's going to be feedback. There's going to be adjustments. Um, some other things that Google has said that they were going to deprecate in the past, other types of IDs, uh, have gone on for years past their original date of deprecation. Uh, that's not to say we shouldn't prepare for mid-2023 as being the point we want to be um, entirely in a good place uh, as far as our efforts are concerned, but it's already been pushed back basically a year and a half. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised if it gets pushed back again. Um, a lot of the answers that we thought we had early in the year have also um, experienced little tweaks. So teams even within Google who, um, and if you recall, the Chrome team is separate from the marketing platform team. So a lot of times when Google or any other partner is trying to um, talk about these solutions, talk about what they think might be happening, just because they're part of the overall Google family doesn't mean that they always have no notice. So one very interesting thing, and it's a great thing we gave this caveat that what we say today might be wrong tomorrow. <laughs> we had done this uh, episode and one of the outstanding questions that at the time um, we thought we had the right answer on was what was the interpretation of the first party cookie? Right. So at that point, we had um, we had an answer from a few reliable people um, and parties that at that point, remarketing would still work. Google's ad server and measurement would still work. And again, this is no fault to anyone, um, but we found out that is the incorrect interpretation the very next week. Actually, we found that out. Um, and the reason we found that out. Um, and the reason advertiser, I have this Google floodlight on my page and I'm going to be um, using it to build remarketing lists. I'm going to be using it to measure conversions. I'm the first party. This should work, right? It's Google. Google's going to go out there. They're going to place their cookies. Shouldn't they be able to tie those cookies to some activity on my site? The reason why this is not the way it's going to work is because it's from the perspective of the publisher and not the advertiser. So in cases where a user goes out and they see an ad 
anywhere other than the publisher site, sorry, anywhere other than the advertiser site, okay, which is basically all the time, um, that is considered a third-party exposure. And so they will not allow those type of cookies. This is a big thing, and it makes a lot of sense now why they're having these solutions of flock and fledge is because those first-party um, interpretations of things like remarketing just that's, that's not how it's going to work. So that is a great example. Can you just do a yeah. quick recap of what flock and fledge are mm -hmm. just for the sure. non-SEM folks in the room? Um, flock and fledge are the privacy sandbox uh, API solutions, flock for essentially what prospecting is right now, fledge for essentially what remarketing is right now. So remarketing uh, is not going to be uh, persistent in the manner it is right now because those are not going to be considered first-party cookies. They're going to be still considered third-party cookie experiences for the user. And so that fledge solution is going to be the, the privacy sandbox solution uh, for remarketing. Does Perfect. that answer? Thank yes, you. of course. Um, <laughs> and th that stands for things. I'd have to go back and look it up. I think it's feder federated learning of cohorts and then fledges like first something, experiment, something, something. Um, again, these are all bird names. Perfect. They all have <laughs> variations. They're not just Google, um, Sparrow, all these other parties have all their variant names. Um, so that's a great example of how things change super fast. Um, people are trying, they're still trying to figure out exactly what all of these things mean and what they're actually going to look like in the final state. So uh, all of this collaboration, a lot of it's done on GitHub. They have, you know, it's all open source type stuff. And so it's really them trying to move the ball forward as a group. We have this idea, all these things we like to say often, we're building the plane as we're, as we're taking off, we're building the plane as we're flying it, right? All these things. Um, there's this idea that, yes, we need to be privacy compliant. Yes, we still need to do digital marketing well. And I think that's where um, everybody has everyone's best interest in mind. And so anytime that we have these misinterpretations or it seems like uh, people are being cagey about answers, it's because people are just trying to figure this out and what it actually looks like. And as we go along, we get more answers, we get things to be clearer, um, but it is going to take a while. Um, and when things are rolled out, there might be um, lackluster performance or it might not look um, as we thought in some cases, but eventually it'll get worked out. Um, eventually we'll have some sort of solutions to test and roll out broadly. Some of the alternative ID solutions that are being developed. So if we think about like UID 2.0, um, what they're doing at this point, whereas early in the year, this is still very much in the, in the um, phase of this is the idea that we have. Um, this is the um, solution that we have and this is how it works. This is the idea we have. And adoption at that point was pretty low. Um, we're starting to see things where that's being adopted more and more. Um, so definitely with things like publishers and uh, with DSPs and other partners. And then how much that extends to other publishers and how much publishers adopt UID and all of that. 
that will really determine how in interconnected everything can be based on an alternative ID. There is still a lot of discussion about how well that would survive as well in terms of um, how many pushes there will be toward trying to um, eliminate as many identifiers as possible in this pursuit of ultimate privacy. Um, but the determination of, or the, the level of adoption by all parties from the buy side to the sell side um, with something like one of those alternative IDs will be very key into how interconnected and how resilient those alternative solutions are, whether based on an email or any other identifier. Another great example is, all right, so we're going to do these things called flock and fledge. Cool. These are going to be privacy compliant. Okay, cool. According to whom? Um, almost immediately. It's a great European, question. Yeah, almost immediately the, the European um, groups just said, no, this is not adequate <laughs> for our policies. So you, you had mentioned GDPR. It got quashed pretty, pretty quickly. So will solutions become present in uh, global regions differently? Most likely. So whatever actually comes live in the U.S. in terms of things like flock and fledge could possibly have different versions between what goes live in the U.S. versus what goes live in Europe. Um, and the things that get tested will probably be tested in the U.S. before they get tested in Europe or some version gets tested in Europe just because we're a little bit, um, we have a little more flexibility here in the U.S. So as a general statement between what has happened in the past six months and how people are adapting to it and dealing with these things, um, that is the general nature of the landscape um, as it is right now. Sounds like there's been a lot going on. Uh, There's a so, lot, and then not a lot we can <laughs> say about it. <laughs> Definitively. Yes, yes, of course. I mean, like, to your to your point, we're building the plane as we're taking off, sort of thing, which is mm -hmm. a little bit terrifying. Like, if if we're like, ex that was exactly what was happening. Like, we're all building a plane as we're taking off. But, and is an analogy. It, it makes a lot of sense. The the good thing, so, depending on the situation, there is you can feel more secure with some things versus others. Right. Google, probably pretty secure, because they've stated we are not going to deprecate the cookie until we have solutions in place. And we're all thinking, thank you, Google. We appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Yes. Then there's yes. situations like um, other large digital <laughs> entities <laughs> where they just roll things out and they're saying, and, and, there, and there are timelines where they push things back are not as um, generous. So things like the ATT rollout with Apple 14.5 um, earlier in the year. Uh, that I th Certain aspects of that were delayed a little bit, but they pretty much stuck to their guns. And we did see impacts to that. So uh, big impacts were seen to like mobile measurement partners um facebook we saw some some sizable uh impacts to things like our remarketing audiences yeah um we saw some sizable impacts to some other aspects of what we did now the the reason i say there are things we feel more secure about versus not so 
there tends to usually with these things be a decent amount of hand wringing, um, sky falling sort of, you know, worrisome <laughs> take. Chicken little, yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and there definitely are some impacts, and we need to be prepared for that. And um, the thing the thing that everyone would like is a silver bullet would like an answer right now um, ahead of when um, some sort of deprecation happens. And a lot of times we can prepare as best we can, but a lot of times, or I should say always, we don't know the true impact until after it happens right. and we can assess things. So we can have sort of a good idea of what's going to happen, but we don't, we can't always say exactly what's going to happen um, because things might impact one advertiser differently than another. It might impact right. one platform differently than another because there's so many different factors. Right. Um, but with that, what was interesting is, so Facebook saw an impact of things like remarketing audiences and some of these other things. Um, also conversion tracking, same deal. But what's interesting is that we didn't necessarily see it um, in some case, in often, in some some often uh, cases, we didn't see um, difficulty in delivery or CPMs. I mean, we saw some indicators that we may may see like elevated CPMs in some cases, but because the algorithms are so powerful powerful in the way that campaigns are structured now where they have flexibility, if you have your campaigns structured to best practice, they can do things like adapt to audience sizes. They can do things like adapt to delivery between devices or platforms. So depending on how your campaigns are structured also um, can be impacted by this. Or if they are very granular, if they are very mm -hmm. siloed, you're gonna see some more immediate and direct and visible impacts. If you have your campaigns built out um, in aggregate, which is a lot of like best practice nowadays, your impacts won't be as noticeable, it won't be as um, apparent just because of the flexibility built in there. That's a really big call out. That's as needed by the advertiser, right? If there are certain things um, that an advertiser is doing that require those, you, you can't get around them. Right. But there are there are mitigation factors that one can take. Kind of building off of that idea, what impacts uh, are you anticipating for marketers heading into 2022 that they should be aware of? And even 23. Well, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so we just talked about this timeline, and over the next year, it's it's still more the same, um, where we're you're, you're just trying to prepare as soon as possible. Um, so. A lot of the things we talked about at the top of the year still hold true, where you're going to want to test out a lot of solutions that are available to you, um, test out uh, different forms of measurement. Um, you're going to want to build your first party data, all this stuff. The impacts that you're going to see between now and mid-2023, you may not see as many direct impacts yet as I just mentioned, until after the cookies are actually deprecated. Um, what platforms are trying to do now is, in the interim, build up and refine the solutions as best as possible so that that transition is as smooth as possible. Uh, things like modeled conversions. So Google started doing this at the end of last year, I think it was back in October, uh, somewhere in there, 
where they started building in modeled conversions to a lot of their platforms. Um, this was already being done by other partners. Uh, Facebook does it now in their platform as well. Uh, I think they introduced those at the top of the top of this year, maybe. Um, and so you can see these partners starting to prepare for a world in which a lot of data is modeled and a lot of data, um, whereas before was deterministic, where it was actually tied to an IDE uh, exposure to a conversion. A lot of that is going to be projected data or modeled data, uh, probabilistic data. Uh, so the impacts that advertisers are going to see between um, now and 2022, now and midway through 2023, you might not see as many impacts as you would expect, but after the deprecation, that is where you're really going to be able to tell how much of my, my performance at this point is being accommodated by the modeling, how much will the modeling change at that point, I think is another, is another good question to ask. Um, because the, the amount of um, um, modeled conversions that are being added in right now isn't, isn't that great. Um, when you look at the comparison between actual conversions and model conversions, it's not that great right now. But we should expect that to happen when that transition happens. So when that deprecation happens, advertisers can probably expect to keep an eye on their reporting and don't be surprised if there's a period of time, maybe weeks, maybe a couple months, while those algorithms figure out what's going on and they replace those lack of conversions with model conversions. Um, but between now and then, you probably won't see too much. Um, a lot of the solutions that they're building out currently still incorporate cookies. So the cookie solutions, they currently incorporate cookies. So those will probably still um, be okay until the, the deprecation actually happens and then you might see um, a bit of a drop-off in terms of targeting or that sort of thing but until that actual deprecation happens we won't know for certain and i know a lot of our conversations on the show have been focused more on performance media but we'd probably be remiss to not uh, at least add in commentary from our email friends who have taken a pretty significant hit to some of the metric tracking that they have available um, with, the, with the Apple rollout specifically. I know there have been some um, blog posts that Merkel has put out and we can link to those in the show notes uh, specifically around being able to measure open rates on Apple devices and, and not being able to uh, see the click to open rates anymore for those devices, as well as the rollout of like these, these like burner emails <laughs> that you can create, uh, which makes it difficult to map um, people together in an identity graph. So it's um, definitely having a, a different effect uh, channel by channel that uh, marketers should take account of. So more broadly, what are the anticipated impacts over the next few years as these industry changes go into effect? Um, we should expect that there's going to continue to be a tug of war. So there will be parties that continue to push the envelope of what to remove in the bid stream. So IDs that right now are not cookies, um, so things like mobile IDs and IP addresses and other things might continue to get um, uh, 
seen as opportunities to further advance privacy by their removal or attempt to remove them. Um, and whereas we had a relatively stable period of time um, before the past year or two, uh, we are in and entering probably a period of time that's going to be very uh, new, a lot of changes because this is not going to be resolved anytime soon. And the approaches that we are going to be taking, they're not going to become mature for quite a long time as well. So we should expect in the next five years to see a lot of change and that people are going to need to be flexible, they're going to need to remain adaptable, um, consider uh, solutions that aren't um, fully baked yet, possibly, um, and that's basically it. Expect a lot of change. There's going to be um, things that that come into the fold that become a normal part of a portfolio or a normal part of an approach that six months later might be dropped or might be changed in some way. Um, so I would just say a lot of change. Be prepared for a lot of change. A lot of, um, I think we... Um, might talk about this in a little bit, but things that um, that advertisers may have used in the past and and um, then passed on. So things like MMM or um, some other alternative forms of measurement where they said, nope, we tried this out, we still got the cookie, we're fine for now. They may, may they may see those things come back, but just prepared, be prepared for a lot of change. So when we previously spoke about the ways advertisers could help their programs with these changes, um, things like leaning into more first-party data usage with ad targeting, better using site app loyalty programs to drive their first-party data, those sorts of things, have we seen more advertisers take action on these recommendations or examples of workers as kind of a holding pattern? What are, what are you seeing out there? I think with the news that the timeline got pushed back uh, people, advertisers haven't been as pressed as I would have expected earlier in the year. Um, a lot of the recommend recommendations still re remain the same, um, but they have the level of experimentation, the level of adoption, I'd say, has been a little bit slower. Um, and it depends on, um, I think, how active that advertiser was in trying to be cutting edge in the first place. So if they were advertisers where they're like, yes, we always want to be <laughs> testing the new thing, um, you know, all that stuff, they are, they are <laughs> eager to um, test these new solutions. Those that are pretty conservative, um, they're always worried about um, efficiency, um, and that really limits the amount that they can experiment with things. Uh, some of those advertisers uh, have said, all right, we're going to wait a little bit and see what happens, and we'll then select what seems to be the most successful solution for us to test before we actually have to get to that point um, with the cookie being deprecated. So I'd say um, that has become maybe a little bit of a delay since the timeline got pushed back. We would not recommend... <laughs> 
that everyone uh, wait until the last minute to test these things. We recommend that you, um, <laughs> well, the Start things early. that some of the things that people should be doing, they should be doing now anyway, regardless of when this timeline gets deprecated. So right. I'll talk about a couple things. The first being building up your first party database. Um, a lot of uh, the principles be, or the, a lot of the, the, the rationale for having first party day in the first place, it holds true. Whether or not the cookies can be deprecated, whether or not um, it's now, two years from now, five years from now. The things you can do with abundant first-party data are numerous. Uh, the the things right. that are specific to this deprecation lie within the emerging technology, the emerging capability to do things like um, first-party site identification. So a user comes to the site. Right now, we can have a pixel on the site that uh, looks at that user and in real time looks at their identifiers so whatever the the number of identifiers it could it could be whether it's an actual cookie an actual third-party id ip address whatever happens to be and through deterministic and probabilistic methods we can tie them to um, known users so some sort of pii whether that's a name um, a terrestrial address whatever happens to be um, and then that becomes persistent. A lot of advertisers don't have that in place right now, and this is something that, that's lacking, and they should have it in place. And so that is something that they need to test right now. That is not reliant upon some other partner's solution for targeting or solution for measurement. They need to be building up those first-party first databases. And they can use it for, for site identification. They can use it eventually for things like remarketing, um, regardless of what other privacy sandbox or other partner solutions come along for remarketing, they can use it for remarketing. They can use it to extend digital experience into other channels like direct mail. Um, and so there's a lot of things that can be done with first-party data that aren't relied upon this timeline. Um, MMM. So MMM has been seen, I think, as, as, a, as a luxury a lot of times to advertisers, do we have the money to afford MMM? It's not really an option anymore of do I do this or not. It's a durable solution. Um, it is worth it in terms of being able to tell what your marketing efforts are actually um, returning on the back end. Um, and so again, is that a timeline thing? I guess that one could be a little bit more of a timeline thing where we'll use cookies as long as we can. We'll use these other methods as long as you can. The issue with that, though, is that you're going to be going, if you wait any longer, you're going to be going into that without previous historical trend knowledge. So you're not going to be used to doing MMM analyses and doing optimization on that. You're not going to have that nice overlap of what do we see with cookies and MMM at the same time and understanding those trends. And so you wouldn't be wise to wait much longer on that either. Um, I think that's a couple of things. Um, there's something else we talked about previously. Um, we, had, we had mentioned second-party data. And what second-party data really is, is someone else's first-party data. Um, so if you're, um, I think I maybe used the example of like you're a, uh, an airline or something, and you want to use um, a hotel chain's 
data or you want to partner with the hotel chain. That's a good example of like second party data, basically where you're sharing first party data. Because of the interpretation of first party data being what it is, where it can be, where it's, it's, it's the data owned from the owner's perspective, so from the pub's perspective, this is where those relationships are going to become very important too. And you're not going to want to wait until the last minute to build those partnerships. You need to start building those partnerships with pubs, with SSPs, whatever the whatever the option is that you have, you need to start doing those things now so that you're ready when the deprecation happens. Because a lot of those things aren't going to be um, easy to immediately start and and find success with as part of you know putting all your eggs in that one basket. Um, so those uh, those uh, relationships between pubs and leveraging the first party data, those are also becoming uh, more prominent um, as a solution. Uh, so advertisers really should be looking in, into that as well. Part of that, um, when they when you when you think about going direct to a publisher, you might think about like direct buys in a contextual sense as well. So even if you don't have first, even if you're not going to a publisher and trying to establish a relationship with them based on their first party data, you should be looking for opportunities based on the, the contextual nature of the site. So if you are, let's use hotels again, um, you should probably be looking for advertising opportunities with prominent sites that talk about travel blogs or whatever else there there is um, to do. Those relationships are going to be durable, right. regardless of whether it's first party data, whether it's cookies, no matter what. So a lot of those same solutions that we recommended earlier still hold true now. Um, again, I'd say um, in some cases, advertisers are saying, well, we don't have to worry about it yet, so we won't. But that is not wise in some of these cases, first party data, measurement solutions, those sorts of things. They still need to be doing those as quickly as possible. Are there any last thoughts uh, that you'd like our listeners to walk away from this episode thinking about? People should be prepared for change. And that I can't emphasize enough. Um, the last, anyone who has been in this industry in the last six to 12 months has gotten a very good look at how much change can occur, at how much um, solutions can develop. And we should not expect that to slow down. We should expect that to maintain again for the next two to five years. Um, hopefully things might become a bit more clear and settled and mature again after a couple years. Um, but over the next year or two, when all these things are getting figured out, just be prepared for change. Um, prepare all your stakeholders for a lot of change. Keep that message going as much as possible. Um, and trust those who are managing your campaigns and who are the experts that they're going to be guiding you in the best best way possible and communicating as much as possible about those changes. Um, build your first party data. I think that's the other thing I would say. <laughs> Get that in place. Seems like sound advice. Uh preparing for change and building first party data. Yep. And with that, I think we're wrapping up our episode here. Uh, Island, thank you so, so much for joining us today. It's really been a pleasure. Certainly. Glad to help. 
stay in touch and let us know what you want to hear about next by emailing us at digitalmarketingmusings at merkelink.com. Also, if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button and rate and review us. It helps others find our show, and please be sure to tell a friend about it as well. Until next time, I'm Andrea McCartney. And I'm Gaia Reed. Bye.